Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Genesis chapter 3. We'll be looking at three verses this morning. Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, 18, and 19. As you've probably heard, we're starting a whole new series. In fact, I'm really excited about this series because this is something that God has been putting on my heart for many, many years. Something that has kind of been brewing and just we're trying to figure out when should we share this. And I just realized being in a city like Hong Kong, the world-class city, and, and some of you are probably thinking, well, it's going down. But I still believe it's a great city that as you think about this city and just the millions of people who work on a daily basis and try to figure out how do we reach out to those who are lost and who do not know who Jesus Christ is. Many of you are in the context with people surrounding you every single Monday through Friday, if not Saturday, and you sit around these people who do not know Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you that your mindset has to change because you are actually a missionary going into the mission field, which is your workplace, to bring the gospel alive through your life as well as through verbally as you proclaim the goodness and the grace of God through salvation through Jesus Christ. And that, that is the reason why I, every time I look at our church, I'm just thinking we have a whole army of people who can be deployed into the different areas all over Hong Kong, whether it's in your workplace, whether it is in your school, wherever you are in your neighborhood, some of you, to your neighbors. What a great opportunity to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I really believe that this topic is so important to the church. And I think this is something that we have to talk about because close to 90,000 hours of your life will be spent at work. 90,000. That is about a third of your life. So this is the way I want to challenge you to think. If you're spending a third of your life on something, in this case, work, would you not want to know more about what God feels and thinks about this topic? And even to be equipped to know how you ought to live your life in light of this topic. We're talking about 90,000 hours. That's why I think more and more, if you think about so many people who get up in the morning on Mondays, they're not very excited because sometimes they don't have a sense of purpose and why they are going to work. And this is the reason why sometimes many people, as they go to work, they're very ineffective in being a witness for Jesus Christ. Or not just being a witness and sharing about Jesus, but just the type of work you do that reflects the heart of God and the glory of God. You know, as I was growing up, uh, I did not get this kind of teaching in the Christian circles that I was a part of, not only when I was younger in high school, nor as much as in uh, college. It wasn't until I went to seminary and started learning different things, and, and I began to look around, and I'm realizing that there are a lot of people who will never become pastors in the traditional sense. There'll be a lot of people who won't become the missionary who go to faraway lands and live in a, in a bush somewhere. That's when it began to think, I mean, click for me. I realized that every single person who claims to be a believer in Jesus Christ, we have an opportunity to do the work of God with the things that he has provided for us, which is a job. 
And right now, for many of you in this room who are students, that is your work. And so this message is not something that you go, oh, that's, these are for all the working people, but it's for you on multiple levels. Number one, that we want to be able to prepare you before you actually start working. I love it when some of these students end up taking internship, and after three days, they're like, oh, my God, it is so hard. And all the working people are just laughing. Ha, ha, ha. You're going to do this for the rest of your life. Because you realize, wow, it's a different mindset. It's a different world out there in the workplace to be able to live out your faith. And so I want to challenge us, those of us who are students, this message is really for you to prepare you for what God has planned. And as I mentioned earlier, your work, every time we talk about workplace and your work, replace it with school, classroom, and studies, and that will hopefully help you to get the right mindset to be able to then get to the next level, which is the next stage of life as a working single adult. So once again, I really feel like with this distorted view of the workplace and what ministry is all about, it has muted the effectiveness of believers making a difference in the marketplace, in the workplace. And so my prayer is that as a church, that we will really raise up a whole new generation of people who understand in a very solid way the theology of work. What does the Bible have to say about work? And then from there, they see themselves as workplace missionaries. That after today, tomorrow morning, you won't be a 2.7, but you'll be excited to go to work because you are now going as a missionary to represent Jesus Christ to the place that you are working at or to the school that you're going to. And I, I really believe if we can understand the value of work and how we can glorify God and how it reflects the gospel, uh, especially in the workplace, I really feel like we're going to have a greater impact for the kingdom of God. So as we mentioned earlier, there's going to be three parts to this series. Today I'm going to first talk about the why of work. Like, what is the reason? What is the purpose behind it? The significance of it? And then part two, I want to talk about the way we work, how we do our work as we get up every single morning and go to work. And then I want to, uh, we're going to close out by talking about the worship in work and what, how can we actually worship God through the work that we have. And so once again, we are trying to educate, equip, and empower every single one of you in our church so that you can go into your mission field as missionaries or representatives of God and make a difference. And so let me just go ahead and give us the one thing. The one thing is this, and that I want you to kind of wrap your minds around. I'm going to try to expound on this one thing, and it's simply this. Knowing the importance of work guides us in how we ought to work. So knowing the importance of work, it should guide us in how we ought to work. So I want to talk about two specific things as we learn about the importance of work so that it can guide us in how we ought to work. The first thing I want to talk about is the design of work. What is God's design? What is God's purpose behind work? So let's go ahead and read verse 17 through 19 or through 18 first. This is what it says in verse 17 through 18. It says, and to Adam he said, and this is Genesis chapter 3. Sorry, I don't know if I, Genesis chapter 3. Verse 17, and then let me read in verse 18 as well. And then we'll read verse 19 for the second point. It says this. 
And to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles will, shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. Now, this is really important as we talk about verse 17 and 18, that this part of the story here in Genesis chapter 3 is connected to the bigger story. And those of you who might not have been brought up in the church and you might not have read the Bible as much, let me just say that this is in the context of this bigger story that we see in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, where God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates all things, and after he creates them, he goes, this is good. He actually says, it is good. And then on the seventh day, he rested, which is the Sabbath. And then God creates Adam and Eve. And then in Genesis chapter 3, we, are, we see here that they are tempted by the serpent, and they disobey God by eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God made it very clear. Do not eat of this. You could do anything in here, this garden, but do not eat of this fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And as you know that they did as they disobeyed God, and once Adam and Eve realized that they have sinned against God, what did they do? They hid from God. After God confronts Adam and Eve, he then gives a pronouncement of judgment. First to the serpent, then to Eve, then to Adam. We notice that the serpent, the pronouncement was that he will be eventually destroyed. That the coming Messiah, and it's alluding to Jesus Christ, he's going to step on the serpent's head. He's going to bruise him, so he will no longer have the power. So that's the pronouncement towards a serpent. And then to Eve, to the woman, he says, you're going to experience pain through childbearing. And he says, your desire will be for your husband and that he will rule over you. And then we come to the pronouncement of this judgment towards Adam. And since Adam ate of the tree, which God commanded him not to, and if you know the story well, he first says, well, the woman you gave me, you know, guys, we do that all the time. We blame somebody else, right? Instead of taking the responsibility. So once he realized, okay, I'm guilty, once the pronouncement of judgment was given to Adam, we see very clearly, he says, God says that the ground that you are going to step on is going to be cursed. And that means that you're going to struggle to live off the land. Listen to the message translation of verse 17b through verse 18 that I just read. But I'm going to read it in the message translation. And in the yellow, I want you to read along with me. It says this. The very ground is cursed because of you. Getting food from the ground will be as painful as having babies. Can you imagine? As painful as having babies is for your wife. You'll be working in pain all your life long. The ground will sprout thorns and weeds. You'll get your food the hard way, planting and tilling and harvesting. So very clearly, the pronouncement of judgment towards man or Adam was that you are now going to work from this land to get your food, your sustenance, and it's going to be hard. Now, why is this important? 
as we're talking about work, the theology of work. So before we can understand the full consequences of the sin and the ramification that it had on work, we have to step back one, one step and look at the bigger picture and ask ourselves, well, what was God's original intent? What was his original design for work? Now we see that work is going to be hard and it's going to be very difficult. We see this now, but what was God's original plan when there was no sin? So this is where I want to kind of expound on this to give you a foundation of theology of work. There are a couple things to keep in mind and to remember in order to have a proper perspective of God's design for work. The first thing is this. God created us to work. Everyone say that with me. God created us to work. After creating Adam and Eve, God tells them to have dominion over everything on the earth. I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 1, verse 28 through 30 in the NIV. Listen to what it says. In the yellow, you read along with me. It says this. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over, and then he begins to say, the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. So before sin entered in, when Adam and Eve, they were created, we see very clearly the command was to then be fruitful and to multiply, and he says what? To have dominion and to rule over the earth. So God specifically gave Adam and Eve a command and created work for them, that they will rule over their the birds of the air and the animals and everything. So there was a specific work they were called to do. Now God, after creating all things, he commissions them because they're made in his image to care and to cultivate and to rule over the creation of the world. Now, what? so I want you to just think about that. I'm trying to build up the argument here so you understand. So we work because we are created to contribute to God's ongoing creation. The things that he has created, he gives us different things, resources. Now we can use that in the creativity that God gives to do work. And this is a very important part of God's commandment, the great commandment, to love God and to love people, which means as we are made in his image, and and part of the image is that he is the creator. That means that we not being creating nothing, something from nothing, but we, bearing his image, we have the ability to create. So think about some of the incredible things that we have seen created over the past 20 years. I mean, the internet, if you think about that. This thing called WhatsApp. I was just reading up on that this past week and the founders of it and how they started. They were trying to get a job at different places and no one would take them. So they actually started WhatsApp and now they sold it to Facebook. And made billions of dollars. So if you think about it, some of the greatest inventions that has been formed even in the last 20 years, even throughout the whole century, and if you think about trains and cars and all these different things, and you enter into the arts, 
with some of the most incredible paintings, and you look at some of the greatest things, even buildings that have been constructed, if you think of things that are created, you realize that shows that we are bearing the image of God, that God who created all things, now we have the ability to use the resources around us to create. He is the greatest creative in the whole world, and we bear that image. That's why I like what Tim Keller said in his book, Every Good Endeavor. He writes this, work is rearranging the raw materials of God's creation in such a way that it helps the world in general and people in particular thrive and flourish. Now, this is important. God created us to work so that we can actually fulfill the great commandment of loving God through what we make and to love people so that our city, our campus, the world can flourish and can thrive. So that's the first thing. As we talk about God's design, he created us to work. The second thing that I want to mention is this, that God not only created us to work, but God has called us to work. Because you could be created for something and not do anything. But he has now called us to work. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 in the ESV, listen to what it says, and read it in yellow. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. The New American Standard Bible says this, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. So there is this calling upon Adam and subsequently people who will come after him, to actually cultivating and to work in this garden. That, that is something that God wanted them to do. Now, this should remind us that work matters to God. He gives us specific roles and specific skills and talents for us to fulfill his commission to help cultivate our society. Even though we all have different roles, we have a calling to work for God's glory. And when you know this, then we're going to be able to work with joy, with enthusiasm, no matter how hard your workplace may be, because you realize that God was called to work, and I could bring glory to God, and it's a worship to God. That's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, in the New Living Translation, it says this, So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is what? It's ever useless. When you do it for God, when you realize there's a calling that you have and you do it, you can do it with enthusiasm and joy. One of the things that uh, I forgot to mention earlier is that as we do this uh, series, we're going we're gonna to provide different things for you. And so we don't want this just to be a Sunday sermon and then you just walk out, but we want this to really be a training time for all of you so then you can actually live it out Monday through uh, Friday or Monday through Saturday. So one of the things that we're going to be doing is we're going to provide different resources. And so we have some links to different websites that can help you to learn a little bit more about some of the topics that we're covering. We're also going to have different books that you guys can... Uh, we're going to try to recommend so that you guys can read it if you're very interested in further study of some of the things that I'm talking about. And then another thing that we're going to be doing is that we're going to actually 
have interviews, just two-minute interviews with some of the people in our church who are actually working in the workplace and to hear some of their testimonies. And my, my purpose for this is that there are some of you who are students to actually see somebody who is doing something that you might possibly be doing or you're majoring in so you can make some connections that way. And also, for those of us who are working, we can hear some of the different struggles and different things that people go through as they're trying to live out their faith in that context of the workplace. And then the third thing that we're going to be providing for you is not only the resources and also just having different interviews throughout the sermon, whether it's in the beginning or the middle or the end. The third thing that we're going to be doing is that we're going to actually have this on the last Sunday something called lunch tables. And so we're going to have all the, uh, a lot of the single adults in our church and some of the married couples who are working in specific fields to sit at different tables, and then you have the luxury to go to these tables and actually sit down with them. Say, I need a job. Please help me. But uh, you, you can go to some of these people and hear some of the things that they're doing, some of the cool things that they're doing, some of the ways that God has used them to share the gospel. And then you could ask all these questions. So we're excited about that, which is going to be the last Sunday. Where during the lunchtime, we're going to have these lunch tables uh, with people who are in our church who are working. And those of you who are students, you can go up to them and ask them questions. And I pray that it will be a great conversation that will start from there. So that's something that we're going to be doing. So at this time, what I wanted to do is I wanted to take this time and invite Jackson. I don't know how many guys know him. He's one of our married couples in our church. Come on up, Jackson. Okay, come on up. Uh, we don't really have time to go over uh, everything, so here's a, little, here's, a, here's a little bio of him. You're pretty smart, man. Anyway, <laughs> Stanford University, you know, and he went to the University of Michigan. Was it engineering, civil, or was it what, mechanical? Yeah, civil, civil, civil engineering. And so uh, just he's been around, so he's a man, all right? Somebody like, I got rejected for staff. It's okay. God still loves you. He still loves you, all right? So I just wanted to ask Jackson just, uh, just a couple questions so that you can kind of share so some of our members can not only get to know you, but they understand the work life. Uh, first of all, maybe you could just share with us, like, what, what do you do? As soon as this is over, you go on Monday morning, what do you do? Uh, well, I'm a water purification engineer. Basically, I develop systems or products that... Uh, removes, you know, the junk, the dirty stuff in your water so that it doesn't pollute the environment and people can drink safe water without getting sick. Okay, sounds great. So next time you drink safe water, remember Jackson, all right? <laughs> Don't just remember him, but pray for him and his family. So, like, as you're doing that, what are some of the difficulties or challenges that you kind of face at work? Hmm. Um... So some of this water, they have uh, really harmful stuff in them that is difficult to remove. And um, there might not be a simple solution that exists. Uh, or there's a solution, but it is too you know, costly and cost prohibitive. Um, so the temptation is always to um, settle for something less, you mm -hmm. know, go with the easiest option, you know. In, uh, especially when it takes a lot more effort and time to develop a better solution mm, mm. and then also if you have a boss who wants to cut costs right right the temptation will be greater not that your boss is doing that but just 
as a general principle, right? That's right. So I'm, I'm wondering when you face some of these difficult challenges, maybe some decisions you have to make, I'm just wondering, like, oh, how does your faith uh, come in and trying to make some of these decisions and trying to face some of the different struggles that you face on a daily basis? Yeah, my faith definitely, you know, impact the way I approach my work. Um, a lot of my work requires uh, creativity, you know, in uh, de- designing and developing a system. And, um, and when, when I think about, you know, my creator God, you know, how he creates the world, the heavens and the earth and everything in it, uh, I'm just inspired to emulate him, you know. Um, that when I look at the splendor and the beauty of the world around me, uh, it causes me to want to, you know, uh, create with the same energy, the same uh, type of excellence that God, uh, during his creation work that he put into, it makes me want to also, you know, put that same kind of uh, effort into it. So that, that has helped me to, you know, approach my work with the, the attitude that uh, I'm not going to give anything less, but I'm going to, you know, do all I can to come up with a design and a product that will really, you know, help people and benefit them. Okay, great. Uh, what are some things we could pray for you about? Yeah, some of the water filters that my uh, company has developed uh, actually have been distributed to the poor and the needy uh, living in rural areas. And some of these areas uh, are where the unrich people group live. So uh, we actually work with missionaries uh, who actually uses the water filters to go into these villages and share the gospel with them. So I think one, one prayer request should uh, be to, that God will continue to use these water filters uh, for the work of missions to these unrich people groups. Mm-hmm. And on a more personal level, I'm mean, just praying that God will use my you know, knowledge and abilities to come up with innovative products and that can help preserve human health and human life. And also, you know, that my attitude and my approach to work will arouse the curiosity of my coworkers and so that I can share my faith with them too. Awesome, that's great. I'm just wondering, we want to pray for Jackson and his work that he's doing. How many of you are studying or are in engineering right now? Can you just raise your hand? Okay. All right, just keep your hand up so if... There's somebody near you with their hands up. You can stretch your hand towards them. I want to just pray for Jackson and those of you who are in engineering or any form of engineering. So let me just pray right now really briefly. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for just your faithfulness and your goodness to Jackson. Thank you, Lord, that you have empowered him and you have given him the abilities to not only think but to come up with these different uh, creative ways to be able to bring the flourishing and the blessing of water, clean water, to some of these rural areas, and especially those who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that as he works with the missionaries, that he will go forth and not only bring in the clean water, but that will be a beginning talk of the true living water that is you, Lord. I also pray that the way he works, I pray that it will be so excellent that even his co-workers will realize that there is something different about him. So use him in the workplace, and use him with his gifts and his skills, his background, everything you've given unto him. I pray that you will bless him and bless the nations around him. So we thank you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give him a hand. Amen. Thank you, Jackson. Amen. Amen. I'm just wondering, how about us this morning? Uh, Do you see work as a gift from God? Or is it something that you dread and there's no purpose behind it? I'm wondering how many of us have been able to see work as a way to help the city, help the community to thrive and to flourish, that you realize that you were created 
for work, that you were called to work. And it's not something that you despise anymore, but you realize, yes, because of sin, it is like toilsome. It is difficult. It is hard. But you now have a shift in mindset to use that as an avenue to do great work, excellent work, quality work, which means getting decent grades. And that means when you go to work, coming up with those ideas that is inspired by God, and your boss will be like, how did you come up with that? And that will lead to many conversations to talk about your faith in Jesus Christ. So once again, the design of work. Let me quickly close with the second point is this. Not only the design of work, because once we understand the importance of work, it guides us to help us understand how we ought to work. So you got to first understand the design of work. And the second point is this, the difficulty of work. I want to talk about this because it's a mindset as we understand God's heart behind work. Let me close with verse 19. This is what it says in verse 19. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it, you were taken for you are dust and to dust you shall return. Once again, we have to acknowledge and understand that due to sin, because of sin, that the very nature of work has been fundamentally changed. You have to understand this. What used to be good before sin, it was something that God created us for, God has called us, but now because of sin has entered in, we realize that something about work has now fundamentally changed. Instead of finding purpose and joy in the work that we do, we see that now there is this weariness and pain in work. The NIV says this, By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. So just even as you're trying to eat and basic sustenance, you realize it is going to be tiring. It's going to be hard. The message translation says, Sweating in the fields from dawn to dusk until you return to that ground yourself, dead and buried. You started out as dirt. You'll end up dirt. What he's saying is this, is you're going to be working many hours. I think they already knew that it's the work hours in Hong Kong. From dawn to dusk. And so because of sin, listen to me carefully, this is important when we talk about the difficulty of work. Because of sin in this world, it causes us to be alienated from God, from others, and from our work. This is an important concept so you understand. This is the reason why if we don't first get our relationship with God in order, it's going to affect our relationship with people and ultimately our relationship with work. Because now work is something that is very difficult. It's distorted. You're going to be disillusioned. I, I like what Merslau uh, Volf said. He's a theologian and a professor at Yale University. Listen to what he says in his book, Work in the Spirit. He says this, God's curse after the fall expresses the fact that alienation is inherent to the human experience of work. So what he's simply saying is that because sin has entered in this world, we have been alienated and separated from God. And if God is the author and he's the one who gives us the purpose in work, if you're alienated from that very person, then of course your relationship not only with God, but your relationship with people, your coworkers, people around you, and ultimately your work, the very thing that God has designed for you to do, you will find no purpose in it. So why is this important? 
because of this alienation, listen to me carefully, because of this alienation, this is the very thing that causes us to go to extremes. What are the extremes? On one hand, when it comes to work, some of us are lazy. Because you're alienated from God, you're alienated from people, you're alienated from your work, so you don't see any purpose in it, like, why should I do this? That's why some of you right now are lazy in probably at your work. And let's be honest, if we really collected all the hours that you actually do really the work, oh, I'm on my computer. Yeah, you're Googling something else. If you just think about work itself and the amount of work that you do in a given eight, nine hours of work day, like how many hours is really work? So some of us are very lazy because we don't want to do what we're doing. We hate what we're doing. Or on the other extreme, some of you are workaholics. And why is this important? Because when you're alienated from God, you don't find your sense of identity and security and significance from who you are in relation to him. Does that make sense? So there's a hole in your heart. So what do you do? You are a workaholic. You try to get the next promotion. You get the next award. And you post it all over social media. I don't know. And you're like, I got this level. I got this level. Why? Because you're finding your significance in work. Please don't misunderstand me. I want you to get promoted. And then make sure you tie it to the church. Get, 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 get promoted. Get higher positions. I think that's great. Get a bigger salary. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a reflection of how well you've been doing in that field. But oftentimes what happens is because of our alienation, when we should find our security in Jesus Christ, when we should find our sense of significance in him, what we try to do is we substitute that, and now we find our sense of significance and meaning and value and identity in life with what we do, how big our bank account is, what kind of car that we drive, all these things. That's why we are constantly driven to do more. That's the same with those of you who are studying. Like your whole identity for your, most of your life right now, you studied. And every single time you got an A, you got a really high marks, like people praised you. So then you realize, oh, I get approved when I do well in school. So instead of finding approval from God, you find it through your parents and other people who look at you like, wow, you're so smart. So then you feel better about yourself. So now what you have done, because you're alienated from God, you don't find that in God. And what do you find it in? You find it in your grades. That's why a lot of people come to a university for that first year and wait until they take that midterm. Or I, I love December. Because wait until they take their first final and they flunk or they get a D or they get a B because they never, they've never got a B in their life. They get a B and they are devastated. I kid you not. I have seen people literally devastated because they got a C in that class. I know right now you guys are like, what, what, what's, C is good, you know, it's cool. <laughs> Some of you are like, I wouldn't mind a C. Are you following? Are you tracking with me? Do you guys know what I'm trying to say here? Because of sin, we've been alienated from God, alienated from one another, and we're alienated for the very thing that God has called us to do, which is work. 
So we go to two extremes, whether we become very lazy because we don't find purpose in it, or we get to become workaholics and thinking all our identity, all our sense of worth is found in what we do. This is what happens when sin enters in. Either we become irresponsible or we take matters into our own hands. And I think this is the reason why it always leads to a dichotomy between what is sacred and what is secular. So you hear things like, as I asked you in the poll, like full-time ministry. Like, I used to use that all the time, but I don't use that anymore. Because I realized that there were people who were not pastors, because every time you hear full-time ministry, you think about what? Pastors or missionaries. But then I was thinking about this. I go, here's a person who's working eight, nine hours a day. They rush to just have dinner, like McDonald's or something, you know, because they're dying. But anyway, they're, they're having McDonald's because McRib is back in season. But they, they have McDonald's, and all of a sudden, guess what? They go to, like, a Bible study, or they go to a life group, or they go have a, a meeting with somebody else, and th- guess what happens? I'm like, wait a minute. Are, are they full-time or are they part-time? I'm like, they're all in. They're full-time. So that's why we decided don't use, for, I mean, I will use full-time vocational ministry. But when it comes down to it, it is really all of us right now are in full-time ministry. We turn to somebody next year and say, you are in full-time ministry. There's no hierarchy in our calling, but we can all serve God through our work. Listen to what Eugene Peterson said in his book, The Pastor. He writes this, and he's actually speaking to pastors. Listen to what he says. One of the most soul-damaging phrases that has crept into the Christian vocabulary is full-time Christian work. Every time it is used, it drives a wedge of misunderstanding between the way we pray and the way we work because the way we worship and the way we make a living, most of what Jesus said and did took place in a secular workplace. I want you to just capture that thought. If you look at the Bible... Most of the place that Jesus did ministry was in a secular workplace, in a farmer's field, in a fishing boat, at a wedding feast, in a cemetery. Believe it or not, he did it in a cemetery. At a public well, asking a woman that he didn't know for a drink of water. On a hillside, country hillside, that he turned it into a huge picnic. That was awesome. Uh, in In a courtroom having supper in homes with acquaintances or friends. 27 times in John's gospel, Jesus is identified as a worker. Work doesn't take us away from God. It continues the work of God. God comes into view on the first page of our scriptures as a worker. Once we identify God in his workplace working, it isn't long before we find ourselves in our workplaces working in the name of God. Is that good? Like, this is something I really want to challenge us with. Because I understand not all of you will be a positional pastor like the role I'm playing. But I'm, man, sometimes I'm envious of some of you that you get to go to these, some of these companies and some of these places where there are all these pre-Christians who don't know Jesus Christ. I wish you could swap for a little bit. You prepared the sermon. It's not easy. Uh, I would love to just hang out in your office and meet some of your coworkers and talk about anything and everything and to be winsome enough to be able to get a hearing 
and to do work that is so excellent that even your coworkers are like, you're different. What motivates you? I shared this story before, but I share it because it's a very important part to this whole sermon series that we're doing. And some of you heard it before because I shared it in different contexts, but I wanted to share it here so that all of you understand what happened to me, why I'm so passionate about what I'm talking about here. It was in the early 2000s when I was sharing those stories when I was doing the mixer and all that kind of stuff. We're at a, a conference, a college conference, a lot of university students. I would say about a thousand students were there from all different universities, from the East Coast, from the Midwest, from the South, that we all gathered together in this place called Montrose, uh, Pennsylvania. It's, it's, it's a small little area. Uh, is it New York? It's in one of the East Coast uh, states, but it was a Montrose retreat center. So we would go there every single year. And I remember during the early part of this conference, uh, one of the pastors was preaching, and I know him fairly well, and he was preaching, and he somehow felt led by the Spirit of God to do an invitation for anyone who wanted to do full-time ministry, who wanted to be a pastor, a pastor's wife, a missionary, missionary wife. And so he actually gave out a call. And when he did, about 100, I would say about 100 to 120-some people actually came to the front out of the 1,000. So we're looking at it close to 10 to 12% of the group of people actually came forward. And so then he, over the mic, he said, I want to invite all the pastors to come and help me pray for all these people who are going to do full-time ministry. And so I came up, and I was praying for some people, and I, I just remember I was just going person by person. I was just praying for them and asking God's anointing, his favor, and this is a call from God, and so that they will continue to grow in their relationship with Christ. And as I was praying for these guys, and then all of a sudden, I looked up just to see what was going on, and I realized that there were about 800 some people who are not praying. And that's when the Holy Spirit like spoke to me. I just dropped it in my heart. I'm like, wait a minute. Here are the 100, 120 some people who are in the front, and we're praying that they will do ministry. But how about these 800 some other people, 880 other people? What are they going to do? And so as I was kind of looking at this, and my heart was just kind of, I just felt a strong tug from God to speak to those 880-some people. So I went to that pastor. I tapped him on the shoulder, and I said, I really feel like God put something in my heart that I want to share to all the other people who are not up in the front. Because I said, look, there's so many people. They're not doing anything. They're not praying. They're just watching what's happening up here. So praise the Lord. I don't know why he gave me the uh, mic, but, you know, who knows? It was maybe, he was like, just you do whatever you want. So I stood up in front of the stage. I took the mic. And I addressed the 880-some people. And I simply said this, and this was what God placed in my heart. Many of you are watching and seeing what's happening here, and you're thinking, oh, I'm not going to be a pastor. Some of you are studying to be an engineer, a business person, medical doctor, an educator. And I just started listing different professions. And I said, you are also in ministry because those are some of the areas in this world that we need you to go and shine your light brightly and after i share that i said so pray that with your studies that god will raise you up so that you can go anywhere around the world and to be able to preach the gospel and to live out your life through your profession 
I put down the mic. It wasn't a mic drop. But anyway, I, 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 put, I put down I put down the mic. And then I was going to finish off praying for this, you know, some of the more people because there, there were still a lot of people up in the front that we had to pray for. And I don't know why. Maybe it was a person that was in front of me. He was like, ah! He was like yelling and screaming. I'm like, calm down, okay? And uh, so I, after I just prayed for this guy, I go, you know what? Like my heart no longer wanted to pray for these guys in the front. And I just wanted to pray for the 880 some people. So that's what I did. After I finished praying for that screaming, yelling person, I literally started going out into the crowd and I started praying for them. That was probably one of the most pivotal moments of my Christian journey that led me to where I am right now. It was so impactful that I realized that we need to raise up not only pastors, we, we still need to raise up pastors, we still need to raise up different missionaries with different types of skills, but I'm thinking we have a whole bunch of people in our churches that Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday, they're working in the mission field in the island or somewhere in new territories or different places around Hong Kong. And they are in these cubicles and they're in some of these dark places and they're in these different um, fields. And I'm just thinking to myself, God, how can we train up every single person in our church to be able to make a difference? And this is when I realized we need to raise up the 99% of the people in the church to get trained to go into their mission field, see themselves as a calling from God, to go into their mission field and make a difference for Jesus Christ. Gene Edward uh, Veith said this uh, in his book, God at Work. He writes, the priesthood of all believers did not make everyone into church workers. Rather, it turned every kind of work into a sacred calling. So whatever it is that you're doing and your work, it is valuable, it is important. So do it well, do it with excellence. Do it in such a way that you're passionate about Jesus Christ. And because sin has entered into this world, we're trying to find our sense of identity and purpose and meaning through our work, but our identity is in Christ. And then once you understand that and you're secure in that, then when you do the work, you realize you are doing it now for the glory of God and the flourishing of that community or that city. I think something that kind of reminds us of why it's so important to work with God in the picture, is that if you eliminate God, then you're going to feel so empty. Listen to what the writer of Ecclesiastes, some of you know, he had everything. And he addresses some of the disillusionment from this world of sin and the self-centered living. Because that's what happens. You start living and working for yourself. No longer for the betterment of community, for other people. It's all about you. It's all about your bank account. It's all about what you can have. He writes this, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 17 through 18, the message translation. I hate life. Can you imagine you start off like that? I hate life. <laughs> as far as I can see, what happens on earth is bad business. It's smoke and spinning in the wind. And I hated everything I've accomplished and accumulated on this earth. I can't take it with me. No, I have to leave it to whom, uh, whoever comes after me. This is the reason why it's so sad. When you work and you see the difficulties at work and you just do it for yourself because you're alienated from God and you're alienated from work. Because you accumulate all this stuff, you amass all these awards, for what? 
Haven't you noticed recently, or just go anywhere, especially on a university campus, how many buildings have a name on it? Every one, except for the toilet. It just says toilet. <laughs> Can you imagine you put your name? Uh, I, I will sponsor this toilet, you know? The Seth Kim toilet. You're like, yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. But think about it. Every single building in the university has a name. So they donate all this money that they amass. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's a good thing because they're trying to bless the next generation. But think about it. Here we are, some of us, thinking that if I only had this much, as soon as you think of that much, as soon as you get there, you're going to say, I wish I had this much. It will never end. That's what the writer of Ecclesiastes, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. That's why with what we have, how awesome would it be? That's why I get inspired by those guys like Bill Gates and some. They have made a decision that they're going to give away a majority of their wealth before they die. I think that's awesome. I don't know if they're a believer or not, but they think like a believer because they realize everything's going to pass away on this earth. And so as I was thinking about this, I'm like, what would it be like if believers in our church had this kind of mindset that everything is meaningless, it's, gonna, it's just temporary. And so with what we have been given, can, how can we use it for the flourishing and for the thriving of our church, for our community, for our city, for our campus, wherever you go, your workplace? Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 22 to 25 in the New Living Translation. It says, so what do people get in this life for all their hard work and anxiety? Their days of labor are filled with pain and grief. Even at night, their minds cannot rest. It is all meaningless. So I decided there is nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and to find satisfaction in work. Then I realized that these pleasures are from the hand of God. For who can eat or enjoy anything apart from it? There's the secret. There's nothing wrong with enjoying things in life, but you cannot do it apart from God. Because so often when we do enjoy things, it's all about ourselves. That's what leads to, that's a result of the alienation because of sin. So when you study, not just for yourself, so that it could be something greater that God is calling you to do, then you could enjoy your studies. In the same way your work, some of you have been like, this is meaningless. Why am I doing this? But as you do it, you realize that this is an avenue to maybe talk to this person or even to do good work so that this company can flourish, so they can invest maybe into our society. Then you realize, I'm not doing it just for myself. I'm not doing it for a paycheck. I'm not doing it for my own reputation or the awards that I'm going to win. But you're doing it for something that's greater than you. That's when purpose is powerful. I'm wondering how many of us, because of sin in this world, we're chasing after selfish things with our work. How many of us have dichotomized work and then church? Ministry and, oh, this is just work. When work should be ministry. This is why, because of sin, work is difficult, but we can redeem it by the grace of God. And I think this is the beauty of the gospel message. Since sin entered into this world, everything has been distorted. But this is the reason why God had to send his one and only son to come to this earth and live the perfect life to give us a glimpse of what righteousness is. And because he lived the perfect life, he died in our place when he died on the cross. And so no longer now do we just live in our alienation 
from God, from people, and from work. But now because we have been united with Christ, we are connected. Now we are not enemies of God anymore, but we are friends of God. And because of that, now we have a greater purpose in the way we work. We have a greater understanding and meaning of how we work. This is the good news. That some of us in our work where there's no purpose, it's just filled with sin and you're just like, why am I doing this? Because you have been saved. Now the way you look at work will be totally different because you were created for this. You were called to do this. And the difficulties that you face, you could actually flip it around if you could do it with the desire to glorify God and to see people come to know Jesus Christ and to the flourishing of your community and your city and for other people who are marginalized, who are in poverty, who are struggling. You do it for others, not for yourself. This is what redemption means. And I pray that God will anoint you. He will empower you to do things that even though it's hard, to be able to do it well for the glory of God. That's why the one thing, once again, is knowing the importance of work guides us in how we ought to work. So you got to see it, the importance, the significance of work in order to know how we ought to work. I was just thinking about this for a moment as I was trying to prepare this message. I said, well, there are a lot of things we can do in light of this theology of work. And I wanted to make it very practical, especially those of you, Monday morning, you're going to go to work. I pray that right now it's like 2.7. I pray one of these days it'll be like 4.7. That we'll be excited to go because this is our mission. I would say the first thing, just as a quick next step for you to think about, is will you offer up some prayers for your coworkers and your workplace before you go to work? Make a commitment. Some of you walk seven minutes to go upstairs, to go to work. Some of you take a 20-minute commute, maybe 40-minute commute, to parcel out some time to say, even if it's just like three minutes, I'm going to offer up prayers for my coworker and my workplace. And I'm, I'm wondering if it will start changing your mindset, preparing your heart. I was so blessed when I met some of these educators in our church back in uh, the States. Uh, we were talking about just being able to bless people around you. And some of these teachers, they came early to class, and they would literally sit in every single chair and pray for every single child by name. That blessed me when I heard that. I'm like, wow. That they have such a heart for the students that they love. They're not just doing education. They're not just doing this because they're like, oh, God, it's the money. This is how I get my visa, all that kind of stuff. No. They see this as a calling, and they realize that, God, until you anoint me, until you work in that kid's heart, like, because who knows? Because some of these guys were working in inner cities, very difficult areas. So you can't change them just through a math class. So they just sat down, and they would just sometimes, they would sit in each chair, and they would just pray for 20, 30 seconds because they know them by name, all 20 of them or all 18 of them. Or sometimes they would just kind of walk in and out of the aisles, and they would just lay their hands on their chair and just praying for them by name. I'm not saying that you're going to go to your office and spin those office chairs and go, Lord Jesus, spin them around. <laughs> you turn them round and round, you know, all that kind of stuff. You don't, you don't have to do that. You could do it in the train. But if the Spirit leads you and you go early, which will be a miracle, your boss will probably flip, they'll have a heart attack. You're here early. 
just go a little bit earlier and say, I'm going to spend two, three minutes just praying for this office space. God, may this be where your presence dwells. And they didn't even realize it. Secondly, own your attitude and check it often. I don't know how many times, and I, it's hard. I know where you, you go and your attitude, because that person says something, ticks you off. That boss puts like whole, these are things that got to be done by six. I'm ticked off, you know, and that person doesn't respond to you, WhatsApp. I'm ticked off. They blue tick me too. I'm ticked because of this blue tick. You know, so you're like, I am, I am just, I'm just angry at everybody. So you got to own your attitude and check it often. Sometimes what you can do is set up alarms and do it at, you know, when you start at work, like 9 or 10. So you set it for 10.05, right? Attitude check because right now I'm angry, right? Five minutes into it. But set it at different times when you know, oh, this is when I get really worked up. This is when I get tired. And just put little reminders. And so that's where you do the attitude check and say, am I focused? Do I know why I'm doing this? And lastly, organize meetups to bless others. I was thinking about this, and I've I just been hearing around the rumor mill that some of you guys kind of work close to each other. Some of you are like, not me. I'm, I'm all the way up there, borderline China, you know. Or any, okay, sorry. Technically, okay, anyway, let, let's just put that inside. But some of you are way up north. And I know no one else, but I'm, I was just wondering, what would it be like if you actually organized Maybe once a week or maybe every once, two weeks that you get together with other people who are in that area and you guys have just a meetup where you could just bless. And eventually that could turn into meetups with other co-workers who don't know Jesus Christ and eventually inviting them to come to life group. That would be awesome. So you are now using your workplace as you do excellent work as an avenue to share Jesus Christ. If we had about 100 more people like that in a city, it will, it will slowly pick up momentum, and I think that our community can be changed. And those of you who are working, I, I'm just praying that starting tomorrow, that you will enter into that workplace in a total different mindset. This is the reason why we work. It's because it's God's design. And he now gives us an opportunity to redeem it as we do excellent work. It's not just so you can share the gospel. But think about it in the bigger perspective. It's not only to share the gospel, but do excellent work so that it will bless people. Bless your coworkers. Bless your boss. I pray that you'll be motivated because you were created to work. You were called to work. There's going to be difficulties because we live in a sin-stained world. But let's redeem it as we have good attitudes, as we say, this is the reason why I get up. I'm not going to build it up for myself. I'm not going to get lazy. I'm not going to waste my boss's or my company's time. I'm going to do the best that I can. That's how you're going to earn a hearing. That's where people are going to be wanting to hear, what makes you so different? Well, I just came back this weekend from this one gathering we have in our church. They're like, oh, really? I would love to go one time. Like, when was the last time you actually heard that? Because you will only hear that from someone who respects you. And secondly, those of you who are studying, who are students, I want to challenge you. Like, if I was 
my identity is based on studies because I don't know Jesus Christ, and I see the way you study and you slack off, I think it will be very difficult for me to follow you or even wanting to go where you go. Do excellent work, not for yourself, so that you can earn a hearing. No wonder some of you are like, come to Life Group because it changed my life. They're like, oh, okay, no, that's where I'm not going to go. That doesn't mean you have to get straight A's. Be diligent. Do your work. That's your work. Study hard. Glorify God that way. And we'll turn that around. So can I ask us just to close our eyes for a moment? And I want to invite anybody who's feeling alienated from God, from others, even from our work. We don't find purpose in our work. Maybe it's because you haven't been reconciled by God. Because there's sin in your life that you have not confessed. May you turn to Jesus, ask for forgiveness, and receive him as Lord and Savior. And your life will never be the same. You have a new purpose, a new reason to do what you do. Father, I'm just praying for every single person in our church. I'm praying for this series that we're doing for the next couple weeks. I pray in such a time as this, in moments like this, with everything that's raging around us in Hong Kong, we'll raise up workers, kingdom workers, who will do excellent work to glorify you, to honor you. And through it, Lord, that we will enter into so many different places of Hong Kong to be able to be the salt and light of the earth. Use us, Lord God, for your glory. I pray that you'll break down every single stronghold because you have died on the cross. You said it is finished. You are giving us the ability to do what you've called us to do. So I just pray, God, that you anoint us for that. I'm just going to ask us right now, just quietly in your heart, I gave you three things that you might want to think about doing this coming week. Whether it's just offering prayers for your coworkers or your workplace. Maybe just owning up your ad, owning to your attitude and keeping it in check. Maybe just organizing a get together with some of the people who work around you and say, I want to bless. And so start meeting first with other believers or from our church and then start inviting other people that you've been spending time with. And maybe this will be a, a beginning of something greater things that God will do. Maybe some of you could come up with some other stuff. Whatever it is in your heart that Holy Spirit is speaking to you about, will you just make a commitment right now? Just look, let's just for 30 seconds make a commitment. God, I'm going to do this starting Monday morning. In about 18 some hours, I want to do this as I go to work. Just make that commitment. And then we'll close out here. As I mentioned earlier, one of the things that we wanted to do is provide resources for you. So every single day or throughout this next three weeks, we have go to our church app. We have some devotions that's specifically related to work. That would be great to just even talk about within your LCGs or people you're spending time with. Just to remind ourselves, this is what God has called us to do. May we do it well for the glory of God so that when people see us, they'll see Jesus. Amen? And we cannot do this on our own strength, our own power. We need him. You cannot study on your own. You cannot go to work on your own strength or power. Let's get, let's get fueled up for the glory of God. So, Lord, thank you for just your, just your mighty power that 
is working in our lives and you will continue to work in our lives. Help us to see work in a whole different way. That this is your design. And even through the difficulties of work because of sin in this world, help us to redeem it with our attitudes and the way we approach it. May we do it with excellence. And may it transform every single place that we step our foot into, Lord. So use our church. Impact the city with everything that's going on. We need people who will shine the light of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we submit ourselves to you. Bless the next couple weeks as we talk about work matters. May you equip us, empower us, educate us, and so we can go out and share the love of Christ. So we thank you once again. We love you, and in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.